0: Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. But we'll be looking at Jeremiah chapter 17 starting in verse 5 this morning. We're beginning a new series this morning uh, called Fruitfulness in the Wilderness. Uh, Pastor and author Pete Scazzaro uh, posed an interesting question recently. He says, In this crisis, is it possible for us to move from survival to flourishing? In the crisis that we find ourselves in, is it possible to move from survival to To flourishing. And I've been thinking about this question and I've been wrestling with this question for weeks. Is this possible? In fact, when things started to shut down about three weeks ago, my wife, Josie, she texted me uh, this passage that we'll be looking at from Jeremiah 17. And with it, a simple prayer May God make us fruitful in the wilderness. May God make us fruitful. In the wilderness. Fruitful in the wilderness. That's my desire for all of us. That's my desire for you. That's my desire for our church. It's my desire for anybody listening in this morning. That we wouldn't just bear the weight of this crisis. But that we would actually bear fruit in this crisis. So for the next nine weeks. We're going to be looking at what is called the fruit of the spirit. In Galatians 5. This is love joy this is peace this is patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control can you imagine if God granted these things and grew these things in our lives during this crisis that we wouldn't be pressed and put on hold right now but that we could actually experience growth from God right now that's my desire and I'm excited to walk through it in the weeks to come But first, let's set the the stage. I want to turn to the ancient prophet Jeremiah, a man who knew what it was like to be in the desert wilderness. And in our passage this morning, he gives us a vision. He gives us a picture to ponder. And in this picture, we're given two ways to live in the wilderness in a crisis. And so let's read. This is verse five. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. and never fails to bear fruit. Lord, would you speak through your word this morning to us, for your servants are listening. We love you and we need you to break through. Break through our hard hearts, break through our confused minds. Allow us to see Jesus this morning and to worship him. We ask that we not just learn new information, but that we would be transformed as we encounter Jesus through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I was feeling burnt out and I was feeling stretched thin and I was feeling disconnected from God. And so I was desperate to find some space in my life. I was desperate to carve out an area where I could slow down and where I could listen to God. Like the ancient Christians, I wanted to head out for the desert where I could stop and where I could slow down. Well, now I knew I couldn't actually go to a desert. uh, So I wrote in my journal And I've shared this with some of you before. God, I am making a desert in my soul. I knew I couldn't go to a a real desert, but an internal place that I could cultivate, that I could go to daily to just stop and to slow down and to listen to God. But I'm going to be honest, it never happened. It never happened. I just kept doing and doing and I just kept going and going, I kept getting more stretched then. That is until three weeks ago, uh, when COVID-19 shut down everything in my life. That I knew, all my rhythms, all my patterns, all the things that I relied on. I didn't have, in other words, the power to create a desert in my own life. But COVID-19 apparently did. COVID-19 has thrown me into the desert. And I think COVID-19 has thrown you as well into a desert wilderness. And this is during the season of Lent, no less. If you think about Lent is a time, it's a season in the church calendar that Christians across the globe are embarking on a self-imposed wilderness desert experience. It's a 40-day desert experience when Christians shut down their lives in significant ways. They enter into a desert of their own making in order to thirst and to hunger after God and to listen to God and to hear God. It's an annual reset for so many followers of Jesus. And even if you decided not to follow Lent in this season or ever, you are now. That's the reality. We are all in Lent. The coronavirus has thrust us into what Theologian and New Testament scholar N.T. Wright has called a strange sort of Lent. Isn't that what we're in? A strange Lent. It looks like Lent. We're all giving things up, aren't we? But it's strange because we didn't choose what to give up. And we didn't really choose how long we have to give these things up. There's no real definite ending in sight, is there? Journalist Andy Crouch says that this pandemic could be a blizzard. It could be a winter or it could be a small ice age. And he hopes he's wrong in the last two, but he says it's likely that we're in all three. It's a blizzard because it's shut down life as we know it. I talked about my love of snow days last week. This is a blizzard. It's shut down life. But it's also a winter because it's going to probably last longer than we want it to. And it's also a small ice age because of all of the unknown repercussions and consequences of what we're going through right now. See, we're all in the desert, whether we like it or not. And we don't know how long we're going to be here. That's why I'm so drawn to Jeremiah 17 right now, because it takes place in a desert. The prophet uses words like desert, salt land and drought to describe his surroundings, which can I get an amen? That is very much what many of us are feeling like right now. And well, Jeremiah, he knows this desert experience so well. He's our desert guide and he shows us that there are basically two ways to be in a desert. There's basically a way that leads to death and there's a way that surprisingly leads to life. And to make this point, Jeremiah compares humans to trees, which is actually something the Bible does a lot. If you want a really great Bible study, actually, I would encourage you to do that. Study all the ways in which humans are described as trees from Genesis to Revelation. And well, Jeremiah is right in step with that. And he says there are basically two kinds of trees in a desert. There's a rootless tree and there's a rooted tree, which is to say there are trees that are dead and there are trees that are bearing fruit. And the key difference between these two trees is their root system, which he compares to our trust, our ultimate confidence. If our ultimate trust is in ourselves or other human solutions, then Jeremiah says that we are rootless and therefore fruitless. But if we trust in the Lord, we are rooted next to an endless water supply. In other words, there are two ways to be in the desert, rootless and rooted. Let's take a closer look at both. So the first way to live in the desert is without a deep root system. And Jeremiah describes this in verse 5. In verse five, he says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So in other words, if you're drawing on your own strength right now, you are like a tree without roots. Jeremiah warns that drawing on your own resources, it doesn't work. It's a cursed operation that is it's a way in which it has consequences that just simply don't work out for us. See, we're designed to be dependent on God. We're designed that way. And so when we turn away from the Lord and we trust in our own resources, what we're essentially doing is we're essentially pulling ourselves out of the ground. And this is, in my opinion, a perfect definition of what sin really is sin is uprooting ourselves we were designed by God's good intention to be planted in a soil that is rich and loamy and full of nutrition which is life with God and what we do is we decide it's not for us and so we yank ourselves out of the soil that he intentionally has made us to live in that sin. Many of you are starting to plant your gardens right now. As I go on these walks, I'm seeing a lot of gardens being prepared. Could you imagine pulling a tomato seedling out of the ground and then expecting it to grow on its own resources? You might say, well, it's a tomato plant. Aren't tomato plants supposed to grow tomatoes? Well, That's about as insane as sin is. Uprooting ourselves from God's life and expecting growth. It's impossible. But that's how most of us, I think, myself included, are tempted to live, especially right now. Especially right now. We're so tempted to just trust in our own resources or in human solutions. And so let me just ask you, what are these human solutions for you right now? Most likely they're your strength. They're the things that you're good at. They're the things that you know how to do well. And you are just leaning heavy on those things maybe. Or perhaps it's a human solution that you've heard about or that you're hoping in, that you're watching unfold in the news. Is it a quick return to normal life? Maybe it's a market recovery. Maybe it's political leadership. Maybe it's hand-washing. These are things that we can control. These are things that are all good, by the way. But they cannot be our ultimate trust. Our ultimate trust, you see, you can't draw strength from these things and expect to stay alive. The Bible calls this idolatry. Idolatry is when a good thing, like family, like a job, Like material resources, like a relationship, a dating relationship, a marriage, children. It's when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. Idolatry is when a good thing, the gifts that God can give us, become an ultimate thing. And when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it ultimately kills us, it's destructive. Because it's never meant to give us life like that. They're not designed to be life givers. Only God is a life giver. And I think we're all tempted to go to these things right now. But doing so is like drinking salt water when you're thirsty. It may feel like it's working for a while. But in the end, it'll kill you. And in fact, Jeremiah uses this image of of the land being sown with salt. And he's saying that. You will grow and you will stay alive in this salty land. To do so is impossible unless you're planted by something else, water. See, gratefully, Jeremiah invites us to another way. He shows us another kind of desert tree in this passage, one that's resilient, one that's hardy, one that grows and bears fruit. Well, how? Well, he says so in verse 7. He says in verse 7, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. That sends out its roots by the stream. I want you to just picture that because Jeremiah wants us to picture that himself see to grow in a desert we don't draw deep on our own resources to grow in a desert we have to draw deep on the lord which revelation 22 1 through 2 says there is a river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of god And the lamb. The Lord is compared to water here by the prophet. And so do you want fruitfulness in this time of wilderness? You simply drop your roots down. I've seen what Jeremiah is describing. When I traveled to Israel with my dad about five years ago, I got an education in the wilderness as the Bible describes it. I guess I imagine the wilderness, when Jesus, would, when Jesus would go into the wilderness, or when the Bible would describe the wilderness, what I often pictured, not intentionally, but just by default, was sort of a, an REI catalog backcountry. But being in the wilderness, as these folks, as Jeremiah and as Jesus himself experienced, it was a far different thing. What I, what I experienced was blinding white, dry bone desert with no green in sight, except... Except there were spots of green, and it was always by water. It was so strange, actually, to see green in this dry desert landscape. But whenever you saw green, you knew there was water nearby. Friends, life in this fallen world is like life in a desert. And this COVID crisis is actually just waking us up to what is always true. That this world is broken. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It stands to be redeemed and fixed by Jesus. And until that day, this world is like a wilderness. It's like a desert. Life can take things away from us. Like like the prophet describes as a drought. Life can attack us. Which the prophet describes as heat. But no matter what our external circumstances are. We can still grow. Our leaves can stay green, and we can bear fruit for others. So what can you do today, even right now, uh, to experience this, to grow in the desert? There are three things that you can do today. Name the desert, find the river, and stay near to the river. I think all three are important, and we'll begin with naming the desert. I think the first step, really, to growing in the desert is admitting that you are in a desert. Counselor friends call the stage that most of our society is in in America anticipatory grief. If we've not already grieved immense loss, loss of a job, loss of structure, loss of dreams, loss of savings, loss of retirement, loss of a vacation. If we've not already lost and grieved that immense loss, there is still a sense that we soon will. And so as Christians, we need to name the loss. We can't pretend it's not happening. And we need to grieve it before God. I don't know if anybody's invited you to grieve before God. If you've been worshiping with us at Hope, I think you hear us talking a lot about this. I think now is the time to really lean in to grief. To grieve the real losses that are happening right now. We we can do this. Our worldview allows us to do this because after all, we know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. So we can... Grieve and we can access that grief. Because we know that the world was not made for this. The world is not meant to experience death. Sin brought in death and the curse. Jeremiah says, curse it is. Well, that curse would never have happened without sin. But here we are. We are in a sinful world and we ourselves are sinners. And so we have the resources to, to grieve the ways that things are a wreck right now. But we also know this, that everything will one day be made new in Jesus. I had a professor who summarized the Bible in three sentences. God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixes it. And that's exactly what we have. We have a hope that Jesus stands to fix it all. And so we are well positioned, friends, to grieve. We can grieve. We can weep the losses. There's a reason this week that we're going to be observing Good Friday as a church. Easter is coming, but Friday is before Easter. And so we name the desert. We weep. And if we're not weeping, we weep with those who weep because there are plenty of tears going around. We name the desert. Then we find the river. If you're tired of drawing on your own strength... If you're tired of putting your confidence in your job, in your financial portfolio, in your family or your vision for your family, in your health, in something else. If you're tired of it or perhaps today more than ever you sense that they cannot draw strength from those things, then stop. Now's the time to stop. Stop drawing strength from those things. We can thank God for those things, but we can't draw strength from those things. And so stop. Stop. And instead, I want you to find the river. I want you to find the river. When we stop trusting in human resources, that's the first step of what the Bible calls repentance And then when we find the river and we drop our roots down, the river that is Jesus, that is the second step in repentance. It's a turning away from our idols and our sin and a turning to Jesus, who is the river of life. And so find the river, find Jesus. Put your confidence in Jesus and not in yourself. After all, Jesus was fruitful, the true and perfect fruitful one in his own wilderness temptation. Jesus was faithful for all the times, past, present, and future, that you are unfaithful. You know, Jesus died for our sins, but he also lived a life that we were called to live, but did not and cannot. And he lived that life for you. And when we lay hold of him with empty hands of faith, we get his perfect life accredited to us as well. The penalty for our sin is taken care of on the cross, and we are declared right by God because we have his perfect righteousness, Jesus. Jesus is basically a tree, to use Jeremiah's language, bursting with life and bursting with fruit, who died on the tree of death to make us living trees. We were dead in our sins, rootless in our idolatry, And he took on the tree of death so that we might become living trees. So set your roots deep into Jesus and he will give you life. And then finally, stay near to the river. Stay near. Do you see the way to bear fruit in this desert season isn't by killing it, isn't by being an amazing person. It isn't by posting incredibly encouraging Instagram posts. It isn't about uh, doing an amazing job with this, that, and the other. To be a Christian, to be fruitful in the wilderness, is about setting your roots deep and just staying there. It's actually a really inviting picture that we have here. It's not perfection, it's needy desperation. You realize that you will die unless you simply stay near the river. And so that's what we do. And let that be your motto in this COVID crisis stay near. And we have the promise in Scripture that as we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And in fact, as you read the whole Council of Scripture, you see God holding us with His Hesed love, which means loving faithfulness, which means I will never let you go, love. He draws near and he stays put even when we're tempted and we walk away. And that is the gospel. It's a desperate trust. And so we stay put. We name the desert. Yes, we find the river and then we just stay close to the river. Friends, this is how we bear fruit in the desert. It's not about us and our resources. It's about Jesus. Maybe you've seen Wally, the movie Wally on Disney. Well, Wally is a trash compactor. I think you know this. He's a trash compactor robot in the 29th century. It's this dystopia. The earth has no vegetation, like at all, like zero green at all. And it's a basic virtual trash dump. Well, in the midst of this wasteland, Wally finds a green chute. And it's one of the best scenes in the movie. And that's what Jeremiah is inviting our church to be right now. To have green leaves in the midst of a desert. Our temptation, I think, right now is to settle into survival mode. I think our temptation is to settle into what can be described as a negative posture towards what's happening. It's a don't die posture, which is good. I think that's healthy, but that can't be everything. If Jeremiah is right, then he would have us move into a positive posture, which is one of bearing fruit. And remember, we don't bear fruit for ourselves, do we? Bearing fruit is fundamentally for other people. Isn't that beautiful? God says in and his word all throughout in Genesis is early back in the Genesis when he called Abraham to himself to begin the people of Israel. He said, I'm going to bless you, not so that you sit on your hands and live the blessed life. No, I'm going to bless you in order to bless others. In other words, God wants you to be fruitful so that other people can pick fruit and eat and you can be a blessing to them. Isn't that an amazing charge for all of us right now? Andy Crouch, who I mentioned earlier, he asked this question. He says, when this plague has passed, what will our neighbors remember of us? The reason the Lord grows fruit on us in a desert time is so that other people might have fruit. To serve other people, to lead other people with sacrifice. As a kid, I grew up near a lot of fruit trees in California. And me and my friends, we would walk on the horse trails. And every once in a while, we'd come to a a tree that was so fruitful that there was just a pile of fruit on the ground. That's the image I have for our church. That God would plant us as a hardy grove of trees. With so much fruit that it's falling off of us. And others can pick it up. I see our church as an outpost of redemptive fruit-bearing. I see our church as from moving from a posture of hoarding and hunkering and huddling to a posture of sacrifice and service. I see our church embracing the paradox of the desert. The paradox of the desert is that when we live for our survival, we wither away and die and become narrow in heart. But when we live for God and others... And we send our roots down to Jesus, we flourish and we grow. I think it's odd, actually, as I look out my window in my living room, that in this time of the pandemic, most of our trees are blooming and bursting with life. And it's been an odd sort of experience Yesterday, as many of you probably were outside and you we were enjoying the weather and you were seeing this amazing spring explosion, and yet all you had to do was open your phone to see that there was a silent enemy and that we're all freaking out right now. And it was a weird juxtaposition for me, and I'm sure it was for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that weird juxtaposition in hand and I'm going to allow it to be a remembrance for me. I'm going to allow it to be a trigger for me to remember that in this wilderness, we are called to burst forth with, true, with, with fruit. And in fact, we are enabled to do so by, by Jesus. He is making us fruitful. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity to hear this picture and to receive it. That though we are in a wilderness and a desert that many of us maybe have not experienced nor ever will again you have called us to fruitfulness. Lord, show us what that looks like in these coming weeks. Encourage us, Lord. We name the desert. This is hard. We grieve it. We lament. But we return to the river and we're staying near. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.